This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Nora Flaherty. My first conversation with Martha Rayner about Guantanamo Bay Detention Camp aired in March of 2007. Rayner's an associate clinical professor of law at Fordham, and she's been legally representing several Guantanamo detainees for the last few years. When we first spoke, new military tribunals had been established when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the detainees deserved more of a hearing than the president had been proposing. We spoke again in September of 2008 about the Supreme Court's ruling that the Guantanamo detainees had a right to challenge their detention in court. On both occasions, we spoke about Rayner's hopes that the next president would move definitively to close Guantanamo down. And on January 22nd of this year, that's what President Barack Obama did. For those who've been pushing for Guantanamo's closure for years, Obama's signing of the executive order that demanded the camp's closure within a year was a great symbolic moment. But in the real world, it was a tremendously complicated act. We could close Guantanamo's doors, but what would happen to the men inside? Would they just be transported elsewhere for indefinite detention there? Deported? Let go? And what would all this mean in both human rights and security terms? Since the executive order, Martha Rayner's obviously been very busy, but I caught up with her in her office at Fordham Law in Manhattan, and we spoke, who knows, maybe for the last time, about the rights, wrongs, and responsibilities of closing Guantanamo. Martha Rayner, thanks for talking with me today. Sure. Now, walk me through what has happened with respect to Guantanamo in the last month or so. Well, within days of Obama's inauguration, he issued an executive order that commanded his agencies to close Guantanamo within a year. Um, What was also important about the order is it directed the Department of Justice to head up an interagency review of every man that's at Guantanamo to determine what should become of that person in the midst of wrapping up Guantanamo and ending um, what has been really a blight on our reputation in the world. How would that proceed? Well, the interagency review is really an attempt to bring together all the information that exists about each of the men at Guantanamo. One of the problems is that the different executive agencies haven't shared information over the years, and there's been a lot of misinformation about these men. And so this is really an attempt by the administration to really gather it all together and to really find out what is the true picture, right? These men have been portrayed as the worst of the worst. The Bush administration said that they were going to try these men for war crimes. But the reality is, is that there there still remain many men at Guantanamo that shouldn't be there, never should have been there in the first place. And hopefully this interagency review will get to the bottom of that and really take a hard look at the so-called evidence that the Bush administration gathered at the, about these men and see that, in fact, there's not much there and hopefully send the vast, vast majority of the men there home. So what does it actually mean that Obama issued a directive to close Guantanamo? I mean, I think what it means practically, and I think um, Secretary of Defense Gates said this quite well, is that when you put a deadline on something, that makes it happen. Former President Bush claimed that he wanted to close Guantanamo, right, but never put any will behind that, never put an order behind that, certainly never put any political capital behind that. Obama's made it quite clear that he wants his people to do it, and he's given them a deadline. So in that sense, I do think that this Guantanamo actually will be closed. Of course, the really the big question, though, is how do you go about doing that? 
no one wants Guantanamo to be exported to another location. No one wants to open up a new Guantanamo and just give it another name because of the location where it exists. So really, I mean, Guantanamo is not just about the place and the land. It's also about um, a policy that provided for um, detention beyond the rule of law. I thought that was really interesting. I had not thought in the past about the possibility that these men would just be moved to someplace remote within the United States or someplace else and just be kept for an indefinite period in the future. That's a big challenge. What are what are the other major challenges in doing this? I assume they're legion. Um, there are a lot of challenges, but all are quite manageable. Again, with sustained attention and um, a willingness to um, take some risks, which I believe are inherently in the mix here. Um, one challenge is there are a, there are, are dozens of men who are ready to be released from Guantanamo and have no place to go. These are men that come from countries in which return to their home country would mean certain um, danger for them, persecution. And the U.S. has recognized, to the, to the credit of the United States, they've recognized this and they won't repatriate certain men to certain countries. So they need to find other places to send them. So far, the U.S. has not received much cooperation from the rest of the world, that is, finding countries willing to take some of these men. Mostly that's because the U.S. itself has been unwilling to take any of these men. Um, I believe that if the United States reaches out his its hand and agrees to take a certain number of men, I believe that other countries in the world will do the same. Um, so therefore, I think that problem actually can be solved. Um, the other problem that's been identified, which I actually don't think is a I think it's a challenge, but I don't think it's insurmountable, is that some of these men need to be tried. They need to be tried in our civilian criminal justice system or in legitimate military commissions. But either way, the Obama administration decides how to proceed. They need to go to trial. They need to have fair trials. That's going to be a challenging process because so much of the evidence has been tainted by torture. But it's not impossible. And I think it will be challenging for the Department of Justice to sit down, to map out a prosecution strategy, to execute that strategy. It's very doable. But of course, if the administration chooses that route, which is, you know, really the, the foundation of a foundational principle of our of our democracy, they have to be willing to accept the risk of an acquittal. I doubt it will happen, but there is certainly that possibility that someone will be acquitted which means that the U.S. would no longer have any justification, legal justification, for holding that person. Of course, what people need to understand is that an acquittal doesn't necessarily mean release. It may mean release from the United States custody, but it doesn't mean release from that person's home country's custody. Some of these men could be repatriated through the home countries and could face other prosecutions for violations of their home country's domestic laws. One of the big controversies, of course, we all know about this, has been that we were arguing that the Geneva Convention didn't apply to these guys necessarily. They weren't war combatants in the traditional sense. But there is sort of a category of people that's going to become an issue as Guantanamo is closing down, which is people who do, in fact, consider themselves to be combatants in a war against the United States but can't be convicted of a crime, but at the same time, perhaps we wouldn't feel entirely comfortable releasing them. What do we do with this sort of third category of people? Well, you know, I call this third category the myth, okay? This, the Bush administration has always 
um, identified the so-called third category. And unfortunately, the Obama administration, I think, is falling into that um, that characterization as well. I think it's it's a false reality, though. I do believe that the men who have committed war crimes or committed other crimes against our country under our domestic civilian laws can be prosecuted, and they should be prosecuted. The rest of the men who are not prosecuted should be sent home. The Bush administration invoked law of war principles as the authority to detain these men, yet the Bush administration never treated them as war detainees. There is one reason to detain a true combatant in a time of war, and that is to prevent return to the battlefield. That is the only proper reason for wartime detention. Now, there's multiple questions about whether anyone at Guantanamo can continue to be detained under that legal regime. Because first, there's a big question as to, are we in wartime? Right. Yes, there are hostilities ongoing in Afghanistan. There are hostilities ongoing in, in Iraq. But does that mean that we're at war across the globe? Two, there's also a question about whether the Obama administration should continue to detain this so-called third category, which, again, I don't think exists, under a wartime detention regime, especially in light of the fact that to the extent we're involved in war, it is a rhetorical war. It is a war on terror, which everyone has acknowledged will likely last generations. And so what essentially you would be doing is setting up a preventive detention regime that would result in lifetime detention for, for these, cert, these individuals that are claimed to exist. That is not what wartime detention is about. Wartime detention is about temporary detention until the end of a particular hostility, not a war that has no geographic definition and has no temporal def- definition. That simply isn't what the law of war contemplated. And we shouldn't The Obama administration shouldn't attempt to grab power from the law of war to create that kind of a far-reaching preventive detention regime. They should rely on long-time, sturdy, foundational principles and go after the men who they think did wrong, go after them through a prosecution, seek convictions, punish them accordingly. And as to the rest of the men, they should repatriate them. On WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org, you're listening to Fordham Conversations. Good morning. I'm Nora Flaherty. My guest on the show today is Fordham Law Professor Martha Rayner, and we are talking about the closure of the Guantanamo Bay Detention Camp. Rayner's been working as legal representation for several of the Guantanamo detainees for several years. Let's get back to that conversation. We heard a lot about this just right around January 22nd, um, but we haven't heard much about it since. So two questions. Why haven't we heard more about this since January 22nd? And second, what have you been doing since January 22nd? Well, there's sort of, a, I guess, a cruel irony in, in the work that I'm engaged in because, of course, the court cases that were initiated against the Bush administration, the habeas corpus petitions brought on behalf of the men at Guantanamo, again, were against the Bush administration. And now, just when, finally, after six and a half years of litigation, when the Supreme Court finally and definitively said, yes, these men have access to our U.S. courts, and yes, the Bush administration has to justify the detention of each individual, 
Just when that happened, right, we now have a new president. So now it's the Obama administration that has inherited the habeas litigation. They are now being called upon to actually justify each of these detentions. And it is quite um, a challenging ordeal and one in which certainly it's the Bush administration sh should have really faced the music, so to speak. So the Obama administration is facing the music of the habeas petitions, really having to come forward case by case and justify this particular man's detention, while at the same time conducting these interagencies reviews and trying to determine on a policy level what do they want to do as to each of these individuals. So really they're, they're engaged in two separate reviews, but each has its own. One is really a legal review in the courts in the habeas cases, and the other is this interagency review, which is really more about policy. Yes, trying to get down to the facts, but also trying to figure out a policy to close Guantanamo. Why haven't we heard about that? Well, I guess it's um, the announcement of the executive order, of course, was something that people anticipated, and, and Obama followed through, and he, he issued this order. And I guess now what's happening is the hard work of executing the executive order, of making it happen. And that's, that takes um, a lot of sort of nitty-gritty, getting-down-to-it type work that I think we'll start seeing the results of in the coming months when I think the Obama administration will actually start releasing people and sort of putting more meat on the how they intend to close Guantanamo. The executive order that Obama signed didn't just direct the CIA to shut down Guantanamo. It also directed the agency to shut down what remains of its, um, I'm quoting the New York Times, network of secret prisons. What is still happening with those? We haven't heard about them as much in recent months. Well, you know, the, the <laughs> what's so troubling about secret prisons, right, is that they're secret. Um, so we don't know. We know that in the fall of 2006, the Bush administration moved a group of individuals from a secret from secret CIA detention to Guantanamo. At that time, President Bush said that there were no men who remained in secret CIA custody at that time. Were men brought into those kind of secret sites between the fall of 2006 and the present day? Quite possibly. I have no idea. But I take it from the exec Obama's executive order, right, that to the extent any of those men, any of those sites still exist and any men remain in them, that their status has to be regularized in some way. In other words, repatriated or um, brought into our civilian criminal justice system for prosecution. But I take it that they can no longer remain in those secret sites. This order is not as definitive as some would like to see, both in terms of definite markers for when and how all this stuff is going to happen, but also because it leaves the door open for some of these policies that the order is ending to be reinstated later. What are some of what some people see as the holes? Right. Uh, one of the holes is that although Obama has um, ordered that any that CIA secret sites be closed down, it, do, it leaves open the possibility of resurrecting them at a later time. The order also speaks to the issue of the use of enhanced interrogation techniques and torture, but again, leaves open the possibility of resurrecting those policies and practices. And the other hole that the executive order leaves open is that it's possible the Obama administration could decide to close Guantanamo but remove a certain number of men from that site 
to other sites and hold them in the same capacity. Hold them as combatant wartime detainees, but hold them indefinitely in a war that appears to have that is really rhetorical and appears to have no end. And the other the other hole in the executive order is it asks uh, Secretary of Defense Gates to do an investigation to determine whether Guantanamo, that the conditions of confinement there meet the standards under the Geneva Conventions, but it actually um, doesn't command Gates to determine whether those conditions meet those under Geneva Convention 3, which apply to prisoners of war. It simply asks the Gates to determine whether it meets a less rigorous standard of detention of wartime detainees. And so it really, again, leaves open whether or not the Obama administration is going to come into compliance with the Geneva Conventions. So it doesn't have as much teeth as people maybe were hoping. Again, from my perspective, the only teeth it has is that it's put a deadline on the closing of Guantanamo. Therefore, I think it will happen. But again, the how, the how that's going to be accomplished is completely open. You mentioned before, and we've spoken before, about the habeas corpus cases that are now coming before the court for the uh, detainees. Prior to issuing this order, Obama's administration attempted to or started attempting to put these orders on hold. You've worked pretty extensively with these orders. What what does this all mean? Well, first, right after the executive order was issued, the Obama administration asked that the military commission trials be put on hold, that they be stayed for three months to give the Obama administration time to determine whether they want to proceed with the military commissions that the Bush administration set up or whether they wanted to create their own military commission system or whether they wanted to put these men into civilian criminal justice system. So that's all now on hold. The Obama administration has also tried to delay and stall the habeas cases, right, again using the same reasoning, saying, look, we need time to sort this all out. We're new to this. We've inherited quite a mess here. Give us time to figure out who these men are, what evidence there is, and what we should do with them. As much as some of us would like to give the Obama administration that sort of luxury of time, we don't we don't our clients don't have that luxury right they've been waiting years and years and years for relief from our civilian courts they've been waiting years to get to this point where a civilian judge an independent civilian judge will take a look at the so-called evidence against them and determine whether there's any basic basis to their detention and now obama comes along and says wait i want time well you know we can't give him that time as much as we might like to our clients have waited too long. And so in general, the lawyers representing them in Guantanamo in the habeas cases are pushing very hard to move these cases ahead to obtain those, those decisions from the, from the courts and seek release through a court order. Assuming all of this does go forward as planned and there are no major hitches and Guantanamo does, in fact, close, what are people suggesting that we should do instead of having Guantanamo? Well, you know, there's, there's some very good precedent for all that. To the extent that there are is an armed conflict in Afghanistan, the military, the United States military, as well as coalition forces can most certainly take in uh, war detainees, that is, true combatants who are captured in the midst of hostilities, can certainly be detained 
that's permissible as long as that a detention accords with the law of war. And the same is true in Iraq, right, that people that are legitimately combatants can be held pursuant to the law of war. What can't be done, right, is that people cannot be kidnapped across the globe, brought into secret detention, sent to places and kept in places well beyond the rule of law, to languish without any review for years and years and years. This is what cannot happen. This is Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org. I'm Nora Flaherty. Ahead this morning on Cityscape, Conscious Eating. That's Cityscape with George Bodarkey this morning at 7.30 on WFUV. But first, we're talking today on the show with attorney Martha Rayner about the planned closure of the Guantanamo Bay detention camp. Let's hear the rest of that conversation. There are about 250 detainees at Guantanamo. If it does close, where will they go? There's been some talk of them going to places in the United States, and there's a lot of opposition to that, and there's sort of a NIMBY thing happening, right? Well, the to the extent that the Obama administration decides that they're going to uh, charge and prosecute a number of the men at Guantanamo, and he decides to do that within our civilian criminal justice system, yes, they'll have to be brought to the United States, and they'll have to be imprisoned at one of our military prisons or federal prisons. I mean, I can't imagine where this, you know, not-in-my-backyard attitude comes from, right? The United States incarcerates hundreds and hundreds of thousands of men and women in this country. We have some of the most secure and sophisticated prison systems in the world. Um, So the issue of that somehow a community that houses a prison like this that might house one of these men could somehow be in any danger is just ludicrous. Most politicians, you know, lobby and scrape to have these prisons built in their community because they're tremendous – job creators, and they bring in tremendous amounts of money for the communities. So I, I, I think that's politics at its, you know, at, at its lowest, at its lowest ebb. Um, but yes, some of these men will have to be brought to the United States, and they'll have to be put placed in prisons. We have those prisons. We have charged prosecutors and convicted men of terror-related crimes. These men have been sentenced to life. They are currently incarcerated in the United States. We, we have the capacity to do that. There's been some talk in the legislature about if we put these detainees in prisons with with regular criminals that they might become breeding grounds for terrorism. I'm thinking you probably don't think that's really very legitimate. Well, I mean, these so, you know, men, again, men that have been convicted of terror-related crimes that are currently incarcerated in the United States are under significant special security measures. They are segregated from the general population. The male coming in, the male going out from them is highly, highly regulated. Who they can see, who they can talk to. I mean, they live under, I mean, I would argue it is, it is an incredibly brutal regime that they live under. So again, this talk of somehow them influencing other inmates in the prison is, is again, it just, there's no basis in fact. Let's just talk for a moment about what Guantanamo is looking like right now. How many detainees are there there currently and how many were there at its peak? And of those, how many have actually been cleared for release and had or had charges against them dropped and are just waiting to go somewhere? Um, by the Department of Defense count, um, 
about 779 men have passed through Guantanamo. We've never gotten a, a, a perfect accounting of an exact number. The Department of Defense always uses approximately, which I always find interesting. There are approximately 250 men who remain. Of those 250, approximately 60 have been uh, so-called cleared for release. And that's – I just want to mention that that this this thing we talk about as a clearance, it's – it's based on the Department of Defense conducting their own internal annual review and them deciding that as to a particular individual, there's no more, there's no longer any reason to hold this individual at Guantanamo. But people should be aware that many men have left Guantanamo who were never so-called cleared by this internal review process. But yes, the Department of Defense says that there's approximately 60 men who are so-called ready to go home. Some of them have countries awaiting them who are who are ready to welcome these men home and, in fact, um, do not face any persecution, but yet continue to languish, which is quite inexplicable. One example is there's at least 12 Yemeni men who have been cleared by the annual review process. They're ready to go home. The Yemenis are ready to take them, and yet they continue to languish. They've been in this status for years, but they continue to languish. Some of the men, as I've said, can't go back to their home countries because they face certain persecution. And again, there's going to be, there's going to be some diplomatic challenges of finding places for these men to go. But there are a certain portion of those 60 or so men can be repatriated right away. Why they're not, I don't understand it. In terms of actually shutting down the prison, as they're going through these cases and processing them, are there some cases that are really big, specific sticking points? You know, there are some high-profile uh, men at Guantanamo, including Khaled Sheikh Mohammed, Abu Zubaydah, and then there's the young man from Canada, Omar Khadr. Again, the situation of these men are all um, manageable. Omar Khadr was captured in Afghanistan when he was 15 years old, right? I mean, the idea that we're going after him for war crimes it just kind of, it defies you know it defies logic and it defies sort of fundamental principles around child soldiers and Canada currently is calling for his release um, finally after basically ignoring him for several years they're finally kind of stepping up to the plate and saying you know really it is appropriate that this that this young man be released but even if the Obama administration decides differently and they decide to prosecute him then fine prosecute him right but do it and do it um, give him a full and fair trial. And again, you know, the Khaled Sheikh Mohammeds of, of Guantanamo, there are not that many, and they can be prosecuted. It's a matter of of putting your will behind it and gathering the evidence together and not um, – even though – I mean, we know Khaled Sheikh Mohammed was tortured. The Bush administration admitted that. They admitted they waterboarded and God knows what else they did to him. Um, but there is likely to be evidence out there um, that's untainted – that the Obama administration could use to prosecute him. Um, and that's that's the process that the Obama administration is involved in now is trying to gather that information, assess what they have, assess what's admissible, uh, what can be used in court, and um, proceed from there. Assuming that we are able to close Guantanamo in the next year or so, what kinds of traces do you think that it's going to be leaving on us and how we fare in terms of our place in the world and in the war on terror? Well, I think if the Obama administration closes the prison in a um, in adherence to the law of war, I think 
in the end, it it will be a good result. I think that certainly the Bush legacy, one of the features of that legacy will be Guantanamo and how very wrong it was and how very significantly it undermined our reputation in the international community. But I think if the international community sees a new administration come in and quickly take the reins and correct an unconscionable situation, I think it will it will prove to give us so much credibility in the world um, and in the end work to increase our security in this world. What would you like to see happen? I would like to see the Obama administration conduct a very rigorous internal interagency review. And for those men that they feel they have evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt committed a crime against this country, they should charge them, prosecute them, and if convicted, punish them accordingly. For the rest of the men, they should be sent home. It's enough. They've been detained for now. We're into eight years. Guantanamo has never really been about wartime detention to prevent return to the battlefield. It's been a place that has allowed the Bush administration to engage in interrogation, um, an interrogation that does not comport with the law of war. The place should be closed down and those who are not prosecuted should be sent home. Martha Rayner is an associate clinical professor of law at Fordham. Martha, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. From WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org, this has been Fordham Conversations. If you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email us at FordhamConversations at WFUV.org. We would, of course, love to hear from you. You can hear Fordham Conversations as a podcast or in our archives at WFUV.org. I'm Nora Flaherty. Cityscape is next. Thank you for listening and have a fabulous weekend.